2: Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, so I'm going to get back to sort of revisiting a theme, but with a different twist on it than I did the first time way, way, way back in the day on an early version of the show still in its first few years i recall doing an episode talking about the rock and roll hall of fame now i think i've done this a few other times i think i did like a round table with randy and logan i want to say we did that Uh, whether it was on this show or the synaptic i'm not sure but one of the themes that I point to when I I guess have to brag about my show or get people to listen and talk about how different and unique it is and all that other stuff, big up in myself, uh this is one of the themes that I think about, and I did a show where I took non rock and roll hall of famers being covered by actual rock and roll hall of famers. As basically just a way to shine a spotlight on how absurd it was that these certain acts weren't in the Hall of Fame because I deemed them to be worthy of it. Now It's not my institution the hall of fame and it's a fun topic to bitch about could do it all day the reason i think it's relevant to bring it up is not so much for hardcore music fans the rock and roll hall of fame isn't for hardcore music fans i've been saying this all along i don't think that's headlines it's an institution where you know this particular part of the industry gets together and they jerk themselves off basically and put themselves over also by getting a bunch of money off of the people that they inducted, quote-unquote. <laughs> it's it's out there. The, it, it, that's a fact. So, and, and what it does is, the the one thing that makes it good for the artists that put in on it to get in there is that I think it actually makes their rate go up as far as making more money on the road because you get to say you're a Hall of Famer and that's good bargaining chip, you know? Hey, not for nothing. So I'm for that. I noticed that once Joan Jett got in the Hall of Fame, she got on better tours and she plays better buildings now, you know. And there's nothing wrong with playing the pig races and casinos. I'll go see you there. Those are some of the most genuine people you'll ever get coming to shows. But, you know, I noticed that Joan doesn't play those places as much. She plays sheds and arenas, you know, a lot of times she's opening. But I I, I guarantee you she's making more money now than she did before. Uh, So that all being said, The Hall of Fame, the reason it matters is because it matters to regular-ass people. So that's why we root for our favorites to go in. That's why I still do this. So what I'm doing on this episode is I'm going to reveal my ballot. No big deal. I'm nobody. But I'm going to reveal who I voted for, you know, as a fan vote. I don't have an industry vote. That's for sure. That would be something else if I ever got that. That would be... Oh, my God, but uh, I'm you know the fan vote it's open to anybody. go I think it's rockhall.com. You go on there, you vote for the five acts that you want to see go in. What I do, I approach this every year the same way I always do. I go by seniority. there's there's some people on this list that I think are worthy, but I, either I don't think their time is right or has come yet or they've you know honestly been around long enough, even though 25 years is the minimum. But I basically, like I said, I go with seniority. So if you've been around forever, you still haven't gotten the due, and I think it's relevant that you do, then I'm going to vote for you every single time. So I'm going to spotlight the five acts I voted for. I'm going to do double shots representing them, whether it be someone covering them or them covering somebody or something. That's kind of how I'm going with this. So it's going to be a nice, fun little show dedicated to five specific artists. I'll go in order chronologically of their debut, and we're going to start here with the MC5, the Motor City 5. Now, it's one of those things, as a fan of the MC5, not a hardcore fan, but I've got all the records. They don't have a lot of records. They have, I was going to say, they have two studio albums, but really, Kick Out the Jams is a live album, and they've got. Back in the USA, that's one studio. One studio, one live. That's basically a Sex Pistols career. But the Pistols are in. They made a lot of noise with one record. So even if you have one studio, one live, as long as you're influential enough and you're good enough, I think you should get in. So that's why I voted for the MC5. Plus, it's like a favorite amongst the people I'm a big fan of as well. So it's a fan of a fan of a fan thing. So I tried to revisit the whole Hall of Famers covering non-Hall of Famers thing this particular episode, but I didn't quite get there. So I'm going to reverse it in a lot of instances on this show. So I'm going to have the people I voted for covering Hall of Famers for the most part. But when I can find it, I'll flip it around just as a way to be cute. So we're going to kick off a twofer here to represent the MC5 and why I voted for him. We're going to kick things off with the first track on their first album, which was a live album, Kick Out the Jams, like I said. And the first song is them covering Hall of Famer Jerry Lee Lewis and his song right here, Ramblin' Rose. Enjoy. off the show here tonight with a twofer representing the mc5 and why i voted for them to be in the rock and roll hall of fame this year in the year of 2022 so i quite enjoyed that in the sense that it's a good performance of the three million versions of kick out the jams that do exist that's a mighty strong one right there and you better bring it when you do that song because it's a damn anthem but that was fellow 2022 rock and roll hall of fame nominees rage against the Machine. Doing their version of that iconic garage rock classic right there on their live album. It is that live album? I forget the name of it. It's, it's Battle of Los Angeles tour, but it's like Battle at the Civic Auditorium, something like that. But it's that official live album they put out after the breakup to, you know, finish up the contract because that's what happens, you know, if you break up and you're in the middle of your record contract. But yeah, not against Rage Against the Machine going in the Hall of Fame, but I I think it is too soon in a sense when you see all the other people that have been around way longer than them. Just on principle, I don't think that's right. You know, I especially love Tom Morello. Yeah, and also, hey, if you don't agree with this politics, Tom Morello did single-handedly get kissed in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, he's a booster, he's the man, and he probably got Randy Rhodes in too, honestly. I'm pretty sure that's the case. I mean, you saw that, that he's going in or he go in last year. What is it? Like, anyway, he got in there as a musician, but yeah, big ups to Tom Morello. Love that guy. Love his serious shows. I've been chilling a lot for serious for obvious reasons, but I've been a fan for years, but Tom Morello has like three fucking channels on the serious XM app and you should check them all out. He's got a deep hip hop channel. He's got like deep classic rock cuts and a metal channel. He, he's awesome. And his regular show is great too. Okay, enough shilling for Tom, but I love him. Yeah, great version of Kick Out the Jams right there. Obviously, you know, I even enjoy Presidency United States of America version of Kick Out the Jams and Monster Magnet's version. There's a lot of really fun versions of that song. I could do a whole show, but I'm not gonna. (laughs) This isn't Coverville. Uh, So let's get to the next one. The next one I voted for here. Another huge influence in the early days of quote unquote punk rock, garage rock, whatever you want to call it. But not only did this band influence the punk rock bands would go on to be great, but also the... Pop metal bands, the Sunset Strip bands, whatever you want to call them, the New York Dolls, like having that kind of influence on two fronts, I think is massively important. And, and because of that big factor of them influencing the Sunset Strip and that scene, even just from an, an aesthetic reason, that's definitely why they're not in because they're from New York. So there's already a bias to put them in, but I I don't think they're gonna get in because, like I said, they influenced a lot of the Sunset Strip bands, so. It's almost like they will be, quote unquote, opening up the floodgates or Pandora's box. If you let the dolls in, then you got to let the crew in. And then eventually at some point, you're going to have to let like poison in. (laughs) So, and I love them. But yeah, that's probably the rationale right there. But the dolls should be in, uh, even from a musical standpoint. I mean, the whole less is more thing. I mean, the Ramones are in the Hall of Fame. So why not the dolls? Uh, yes, the Ramones do have better songs. They are a better overall band. I am a bigger fan of the Ramones. But no Stooges, no Dolls, no MC5. Definitely no Ramones because of that. So, but yes, obviously I've voted for him. I even love David Johansson's Sella stuff. Even some of the Buster stuff. What do you think of that? You know. So, but yes, let's get to the two for right here. So you know, if you're at all familiar with the Dolls, you're probably going to be most familiar with their debut self-titled album, which is iconic. Everybody should own it. On that album, they do a cover of Bo Diddley's Pills. Uh, I'm not going to play that version, as great as it is. I'm going to go over here to a live version. And the other reason I'm doing it, first of all, it's a great recording and a great performance. But this is the tour I got to see them on. Second loudest band I've ever seen in my life. House of Blues, Dolls, tore it up. I got to strum on Sill's guitar. A absolutely unforgettable show. So I'm going to play a live version of Pills from that tour. Which is great because when I saw them, they did that and Hey, Bo Diddley. So a little Bo Diddley toofer. I think I was around the time the Bo passed away, so it was a great tribute. But yeah, check this out, and I'll throw in a little surprise there, like I did on the first twofer. I'm gonna do it at the end of there. I'm gonna do it every time here on this episode. So enjoy this little Dolls twofer right here. Turn it up. This one's in the key of A. In case you're out there and you're
3: holding a guitar and you want to play along, all right? Or you want to just
4: dance? If you dance in
3: let's help them
5: get this thing started. Help them get this thing started. I'll talk with it. You gonna help me count it off? Are you ready? Are you ready?
2: Alright, that particular cover song right there, Guns N' Roses, Doing Human Being by the New York Dolls, Uh, that's one of the big reasons why I became such a big Dolls fan. I constantly and will always defend the spaghetti incident uh, as as an album that has a lot of merit, that gets trashed a lot or just gets ignored, but that's an important record for me. Love that performance, love the whole record. But yes, there you go. I found another instance of a Hall of Famer covering a non-Hall of Famer, yes, Guns N' Roses, inducted a few years ago and dolls still not in. And I'm sure that's another reason why they're on the ballot still is because bands like Guns N' Roses and Kiss and the you know Ramones people like, that's why the dolls are getting nominated. And, you know, I hate that thing. Like I call it the chic stink. <laughs> so I invented a term just now. But basically what that is is a band that is on the ballot so much year after year it gets kind of embarrassing because you know they're never going to go in. So, you know, hell, man, if you're not going to put MC5 and the Dolls on the proper list, either take them off or at least give them the Roots induction. And there's a lot of artists, great artists, that aren't on the actual, like, you know, big main event thing, but they still go in as a Roots and Influence artist. At least do that for the MC5 and the Dolls if you're not going to put them on the proper list. Because, like I said, it's getting embarrassing. As a fan, and I'm sure they are too. I mean, come on do the right thing hall of fame and i think this is just embarrassing for the hall of fame as an institution to not have this next act in there the i've said it before i don't know if i've said it on the show before but i i have said it to anyone who will listen the last few years especially as i've had this platform right here is that this band not being in the hall of fame not only proves the irrelevancy of the hall of fame but it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt there is a bias against midwest acts and there's probably something else that none of us are aware of it has to be some sort of bad blood something was said i don't know if it was early on or lately or what but the fact that devo is not in the rock and roll hall of fame is an atrocious embarrassment for that institution in my opinion I'm embarrassed as a fan and for them, honestly. And I'm talking about the band, not the Hall of Fame. I'm embarrassed for them because, God, one of the most innovative acts in the history of music, on that principle, they should be in. Even if their music was subpar, what they did, the way they innovated, and not just from an image standpoint, but talking about the image, this is part of it. A video-only band first? Okay, check. Like Nobody had done that on a grand scale. And when they were initially signed, they were on Stiff Records, which is like an absolute like big punch on your punk rock credibility. I mean, that's only the label where the damned and Elvis Costello spent their rookie years. So, I mean, what what the hell are we talking about here? Like Devo, come on. So, yeah, they're from Ohio. They're Midwest. And I, I don't remember who said this. I think they were talking about Cheap Trick at the time, but I say it exactly the same way as I would for Devo. If they had come from New York City and been in the CBGB scene, there would be statues dedicated to them and murals out there in New York City at this moment. It's ridiculous. Same went for Cheap Trick. They're in now, but there was such a huge fan push and like so much shaming going on like within the institution after a while. It's like, yeah, of course they put them in. Same thing with Kiss. But Devo, it's like this just thing on their own. They're in their own universe. Their fan base is like massively like Trekkie-esque, you know, but that's cool you know? And like I said, great band. I love like all their records. Even their okay records are still really good. Even the stuff that people haven't heard is really good. They also have one of the best live albums I've ever heard in my life. If you've never heard, now it can be told. It's like from the late 80s after people stopped thinking about them, but man, that record smokes. Okay, there's my little Devo diatribe right here. I'm going to go with two bands that are in the Hall of Fame that Devo has covered. Now that's not hard to find. You know, We could talk about Satisfaction or the great underrated version of RU Experience and stuff like that. And Those I, I can play on future shows, but I kind of like this one because it points out uh, also the variety of tastes that Devo has. And you won't find two more different bands than the ones that are going to cover in this two for right here. And I'm not even talking about Sam Cooke uh, or Johnny Rivers or anybody like that. Uh, so this first one, and I'll make the second one a surprise like I've done this whole episode so far. This first one is really interesting. It's not like the best cover ever, but on principle, it's really neat that they did it. But also really sad because, uh, so if you're familiar with the backstory of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young's song, Ohio, protest song, about, you know, that horrible tragedy during the demonstration around the Vietnam War, Kent State. And Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, they just wrote the song about the incident. They read about it. But Devo were actually attending the college at the time at least some members of Devo. I I don't know if all of them were, but I know some of them were for sure. I think Chrissy Hyde was attending too, as well at the time. But yeah, so they were directly affected by that. Probably people they knew. Uh, It's very likely. I'm not sure. I've never read any interviews about them talking about it directly. They might be out there, but yeah, they were actually there when this incident happened. So years and years later, I mean, it's about a decade and change ago. They actually put out a cover of the song ohio so that's going to be the first part of this twofer right here so whatever you want to call this a meta cover i don't know but uh, it's interesting so check it out and then devo will be back after that song with something completely different so stay tuned here we go little devo cover twofer right here for you enjoy Finishing up the Devo two for right there with Devo's version of Hall of Famer's Nine Inch Nails, Head Like a Hole, one of their most recognizable songs. And that's kind of an anomaly for a Devo cover because that's one of the very, very, if maybe only instance that I can recall where they took a song and did a straight cover of it as opposed to making it their own. You heard in Ohio, that's definitely their own version. Satisfaction, their own version, so forth and so forth. But that's one of the only instances... Like I said, if the only that I know of where Devo just play it straight, that's a straight up version of Head Like a Hole. The only thing that sounds different is Mark Mothersbog's voice. And right even there, Mark Mothersbog had an amazing career so far, even without Devo, you know, as a guy that has done all the Wes Anderson film scores and probably some other film scores. I can't name them, but yeah, talented dude. The whole band, freaking talented. Like I said, innovative band should be in the Hall of Fame. All right, the fourth act here. This kind of ties in chronological with Devo. I wasn't quite sure, and I didn't really look it up because I tend to not do those things. I just try to do it off the cuff and off my memory. But I think around the same time, this band was gigging professionally. You know, they've been around since actually the early 70s. But as far as like putting out records and like getting professional gigs and stuff like that, I think they kind of tie with Devo around when they first started. I could be wrong about this, but memory serves me correct. And I feel like the pacing of the show helps, too. But going with it, of course, bona fide Icons should be Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Judas Priest, they are nominated this year. Pretty much the sole metal nominee, unless you count, you know, Rage Against the Machine, which you could make an argument. But as far as, like, classic heavy metal, Priest is the token nominee this year. They probably will not get in. Which is absolutely ridiculous when you consider who's in there. I point to acts now like Jackson Brown and Bonnie Raitt and crap like that that is in the Hall of Fame. And it's just like, what? So, like I said, Judas Priest, they just celebrated their 50th year as a band. And like I said, that's from the early, early years all the way up. but. But yeah, Rock and Rolla, that came out, like, what, 75, something like that, mid-70s? But, dude, they've basically been doing it for 50 years, and they've been a force basically since they started. You know, it took a little bit of artist development, but especially when Sad Wings of Destiny came out, off to the races, just big, big, big from there on out. I-, I feel like they are taken for granted, but if you listen to someone like a Scott Ian, he's, like, basically, like, Priest invented what we know to be heavy metal, in a sense, like, yeah, of course, there are bands like Sabbath and Blue Cheer, But he always goes on record saying the Priest basically invented heavy metal because they were the first hard rock band to take the blues out of it completely and just have their own sound. So it's hard to argue that, and I like that argument. Uh, But yeah, at the end of the day, I'm just a Priest fan. I think they got great records, great songs. They're great live to this day. They're great live. And that's more than you could say for a lot of bands that are in the Hall of Fame, at least the ones that are alive. So let's honor the mighty Judas Priest while they're still with us, basically. So that's how I feel about it. So once again, we're going to do an instance of, you know, a nominee covering a legit Hall of Famer. And I think you might know where I'm going with this one. One thing I think is really neat that even like early on in their career, they do like these two rando covers, uh, Diamonds and Rust, a Joan Baez song, which I guess the idea was to take a Joan Baez song and make it rock in the same way that Zeppelin did with Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. So, okay, I get that. Uh, But taking Fleetwood Mac's Green Monolishie, the earliest incarnation of Fleetwood Mac with Peter Green, taking that song, which was heavy in its own right, people kind of call it one of the first, like, hard rock or heavy metal songs, and taking that song and actually rearranging it and making it completely a Judas Priest song. There's probably people to this day that don't even realize that that's a Fleetwood Mac song. It's just this great classic fucking Priest song, and it's great, it rocks, So just another layer of what makes this band great. So, uh, you know, I, I could play the original studio version. I could play the very famous live version from Unleash in the East. Went and found this live version taken from the deluxe edition of Defenders of the Faith. This is live from long beach arena if i'm not mistaken the same place where live after death was mostly recorded the iconic iron Maiden live album right here so uh the the room apparently has really good mojo i think even some of the stuff from worldwide live might be on there i don't know but maybe but yes here's a really cool you know maybe you haven't heard it version of the green monolishie with a two-pronged ground enjoy this mighty twofer by the mighty priest here you go <laughs>
3: Action, the second
4: to
2: All right, yes, that was the Mighty Met. Metallica, legit Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, right there backing up the mighty, iconic Rob Halford, one of the greatest singers of all time. And James Hetfield is a good singer in his own right. He's awesome and everything, but he ain't no Rob Halford. I think James would even tell you that. And so that's why there has been three major instances that I know of where the band has had Rob Halford come out on stage and do that track right there, Rapid Fire, originally from the great British Steel album. Now, the earliest moment I could find out there was him coming out on stage with them. I think it was towards the end of either the proper Black Album Tour or the Summer Shit Tour, sometime in the early to mid-90s, and he did that. And you can actually find that clip on YouTube. I think I found it on their official page, which they're so great online. They got all this cool free shit for you to watch, so do that. But yeah, it's Rob Halford liking his fight gear, as I call it. Like, He's got his backwards hat, and he's wearing sweats, you know, but if he's got that goddamn voice, and it's great. Doing rapid fire right there. And about about a decade ago or something like that, uh, Revolver Awards, I want to say, something like that. Golden Gods Awards, Metal Hammer Awards, one of those magazine award shows, and they do that, I guess, towards the end of the night, doing a jam, another rapid fire performance. And that particular version that you just heard was taken from Metallica's 30th anniversary shows, at the Fillmore in San Francisco. Man, I wish I could have been at those shows. Guest stars galore. Rob Halford just being one of them. Yeah, that's the best sounding one online too. So I went with that one, of course, for obvious reasons. But obviously Metallica was just on it as they always are. But I can imagine how fired up they were to do the 30th anniversary shows. And I have a lot of their peers and their heroes come in and do these things. So yeah, I put that out. Please, guys. You know, you got all these great box sets out. Great. Put that box set out. I'll buy that shit for sure. Okay, last one here. And yeah, like I said, I like Rage. Yeah, I think Duran Duran is also a legit choice. I think they should be in. But like I said, I went for seniority. And so it rounds out with this one right here. But, you know, I was just talking about Rob Halford and glomming about what an amazing singer he is. Equally amazing singer right here on the female side of things, but not just good for a woman, as they say in Spaceballs. That's pretty good for King Kong. Pat Benatar, one of the great rock voices of all time. She better go in. I mean, I don't see any kind of bias against her, but who knows? Uh, so, but yeah. Bonafide, in my opinion. Just a voice that'll tear your head off. My earliest musical memories. She was in them, and she's kind of remained in them. She doesn't even have a ton of albums, but all her albums are pretty damn good all the way through. And even in some of those latter years where people weren't paying attention as much, she would still throw out things like Everybody Laid Down, which I love. You know, stuff like that. Still tours to this day. Still got it. You know, that kind of thing. And Also, no shortage of covers when you go through her catalog right here, but I think this one might surprise people. Early on here on the Crimes of Passion record, towards the end of the album, is this one right here. And much like when I played Rage covering MC5, here she is covering another fellow nominee this year, who I didn't vote for because I'm not a big fan, but I get it. I have nothing against her. Kate Bush, by the way, I'm talking about. Like I said, Kate, definitely a true original, just doesn't do it for me but she'll probably go in. But you listen to like a Pat Benatar take arguably Kate Bush's most famous song, I would say, overall. It's probably her biggest chart hit as well. And she took it, and I think she made it her own. I love this version so much. I think it blows away the original by a galaxy. And especially when it kicks in the chorus, you're going to see pure flight right here. So enjoy this right here. Here is Pat Benatar covering Kate Bush's classic hit, Withering Heights. Heights. <laughs> Closing off the show here in mighty strong fashion right there. Pat Benatar. We started off with her version of Kate Bush's Withering Heights. We closed with uh, kind of a rarity right there. But of course, that was Helter Skelter, the Beatles classic originally from the White Album. I think that version actually made it on to a best of Pat Benatar, like an official one at some point. But I'd like to do my homework. i like to try and give you either like the best possible performance or version of a song or something maybe you haven't heard that's unique. But in this case... You go and find the CD that this came off of originally. And then you find one of those cool new like public domain radio broadcasts you're seeing out and about with your favorite bands, you know, kind of basically like glorified bootlegs. And that's what I got that off of. It sounds way better than the one that's on one of her official releases. That's a live in Austin show, Austin, Texas, 1981, I believe. That's Pat Benatar just killing it on Helter Skelter. And I I even found a quote of Paul McCartney putting over her version of Helter Skelter and of the billion and a half Beatles covers that were just recorded yesterday. I mean, you you can't imagine that Paul has time to listen to all of them, but the fact that he put that one over, I don't recall hearing any of the Beatles really like giving it up for a lot of Beatles covers out there. So I thought that was really cool. And further proof that Pat Benatar belongs in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. So does McCartney get a vote? I don't know. It's not like America where you have to be from America, right? Okay. (laughs) Okay. You have to be a citizen? Okay. Oh, boy. All right. Well, I got to say, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Hope you heard some stuff you've never heard and or maybe you haven't heard in a while. Let me know what you liked, what you didn't like, and all that stuff, and be able to tell you where to do all of that. I'm going to send you right over here to my better half, Nola, with the plugs and the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola.
0: We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level-branded shirt, And a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete Larusa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM XM. As part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation, last but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete Larusa and the band Space Beard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com/spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes Ten sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.
2: Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. To hell with it.